You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to Terps and the Pros on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. As usual, I'm Matt Levine with Lila Bromberg and Jordan Gold, and we'll be discussing NFL and NBA Terps today. We'll start with the NFL, and I guess we'll go right to Stefan Diggs because he's the biggest name, and he is every week. But he only recorded one catch for four yards and had one rush for 12 yards in this game, and that came after three career weeks in a row. So I talked about it last week that he might be kind of fluctuating and having good weeks and then bad weeks and then now he has a bad week so what do you guys make of this well it seemed like he was getting on a streak right he had you know three games with I believe it was at least 140 receiving yards so Mm -hmm. it seemed like he was getting kind of back into his groove so it's a shame to then you know see him go back like this because it really seemed like you were starting to see of old Stefan Diggs again to an extent We've seen this throughout his career where, like Matt said, he, he really fluctuates in his production and he's he can be inconsistent at times, but it has definitely been highlighted this year. Um, t- it was an interesting game against the Chiefs. Uh, Thielen goes down early with re-injuring his hamstring, and so you would think it would be the Diggs show, like it has been the past couple weeks, especially the games without Thielen, but Diggs, he really gets blanketed, and the... Cousins, he threw the ball a lot. It was it was a lot of touchdowns to other guys, a lot of receptions to some more unknown guys. So I think that the Chiefs just did a good job in covering him and seemed like that was their game plan from the start, and they definitely succeeded with it. Because he did receive five targets in that game. You know, usually it's been the case where he's not receiving those targets, and that's why he isn't producing. But this time around, like, he was receiving the targets. It just wasn't he wasn't made. He only made one catch. For sure. I think I think it was more of a case of the Chiefs are a really good team and they must have came into the matchup and said, we are shutting down Stefan Diggs and they shut down Stefan Diggs. And now they'll take on Dallas this Sunday on Sunday Night Football. And Diggs has always been a guy that's pretty good on primetime television. So do we expect a bounce back week from him and kind of go back to the way he was a couple weeks ago and that lasted three weeks in a row? I definitely think it's a big bounce back week for Stefan. Uh, Dallas secondary, decent, not not amazing. And I, like you said, I think he is a guy who uh, shines in the bright lights of prime time. And also, it looks like Adam Thielen is going to be out again, which is good news for Diggs. So, I think it's a big week for him. Yeah. I, I I agree. I think he, I, I always watching him, he's been a guy that takes the spotlight very well and he he rises to the occasion under that and we saw that with obviously minneapolis miracle when he made that catch and and he, they beat the saints in the playoffs so that alone shows that he can do it under the bright lights when everyone's watching on sunday night football although it's just a game in the middle of the year but still it's it's sunday night football where that's the only game on everyone's watching that game so i expect him to Definitely have a bounce back week, especially against a Cowboys team where the secondary isn't the best part of their defense. Yeah, and you know another guy who sh- a guy who did shine last week and did make the most of his opportunities was you know DJ Moore with seven catches for a season high 101 yards. That was the second highest uh, yardage total of his career. Um, 
you know, and he had a team leading team uh, ten targets. And I, I said this, I think he has good chemistry with Kyle Allen, and I think he looked really, really good last week. But it's weird because like he just hasn't been able to find the end zone. You know, he was so close on that one pass to getting a touchdown. That was an incredible catch. Absolutely incredible catch. I don't know how he kept his feet in bounds, but I guess I guess that's why he uh, was a first-round pick and his, the Panthers are so high on him as uh, their wide receiver one of the future because that was that was an insane catch. But it was, it was good to see Moore get back on target. He had the rough week against the 49ers the week before, which, you know, that's... That's more a product of how insane the 49ers' defense is. Mm-hmm. But it's good to see him get back on track. I think it's going to continue. With the lack of targets, I think this is something that we have seen throughout his career. Or lack of touchdowns, excuse me. This is something we have seen throughout his entire career. Last yeah. year, he only had two touchdowns, and I think one of them was rushing, actually, if I'm not mistaken. And it's I don't know if it's something that's going to get better this season there. They have Christian McCaffrey, and he gets pretty much all of their touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, are you gonna like? They they have a guy who's <coughs> the best running back in the NFL right now. So it's going to be tough for Moore to get those touchdowns unless it's coming on a big play, which we saw his one touchdown this season was on a fifty-two yard reception. So I think he definitely doesn't end the season with just one touchdown, but I wouldn't expect more than three maybe four when we uh come to the end of week 17 and also we spoke about it last week i think with me and jordan did with more being a smaller guy at 511 209 he's going up against cornerbacks that are likely his size so it's not like he's calvin johnson at at six seven or whatever calvin johnson is he's a smaller receiver and he relies heavily on his speed so he's not that red zone target Especially having Christian McCaffrey, who just dominates pretty much every touch, every offensive play. He's looked play. insane this year. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he he's up for the MVP also. So, that offense is run by him. And when they get into the red zone, Moore isn't their first option. So, as Jordan said, it's kind of whether he breaks out for a big play. And that's the way he'll find the end zone. Yeah, spot on there. And I think... Um... Also, when they get to the red zone, when they have been passing, it's been more of uh, Curtis Samuel or some of the other receivers that they have on the team. More, like you said, it's just I think it just comes down to his size. If you're if you're at the three yard line, your first option probably isn't going to be to throw to a five ten receiver. So that's you know one of his weaknesses there. But he makes up for it with how explosive he is and the types of catches that he makes. <coughs> I mean that catch on Sunday was definitely the catch of the week. And I think he's going to have a good week again this week against uh, Darnell Savage and the Packers. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. I mean, I'd love to see him do a jersey exchange or something because those are two guys that actually, you know, play together for a decent amount of time. For sure. I would definitely expect a uh, jersey swap at the end, a nice picture for the uh, Maryland football Instagram for sure. I mean, because they did a big thing for the Maryland football program, having two back-to-back first-round picks, Mm -hmm. which they hadn't had in a while. So... You know, they both really set that standard of showing that, like, players out of Maryland can, you know, go high and <clears throat> have that expectation. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see. And we've talked about it and debated it before, whether, you know, GJ's better with Cam or Kyle. And now, you know, Cam is officially out for the season. Um, how do you think that affects how DJ plays going forward? 
I don't think it has any effect, really, because it's been so long since Cam has even played. He, I, I, I do still think the chemistry um, at the time of, or, you know, at this point, the chemistry is probably better with Kyle Allen, but I think that he did have something good going with Cam Newton, and I think that you can't really argue that a healthy Cam Newton isn't better than Kyle Allen, so. Can you, though? I mean, I guess healthy, but, like, when's the, if you think about it, when's the last time Cam was healthy? Like, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, it definitely is hard to say, and. It's tough to see, I mean, a mobile quarterback with a foot injury. That's not something you want. So it's definitely, it's it's tough to see for Cam Newton. And I think that they're a huge question of the NFL offseason will be whether Cam Newton has played his last game for the Panthers or not. He is a free agent after next season. And the cap situation is not bad if they were to cut. He's owed $20 million, and I'm pretty sure... Um, they could get out of it pretty easily this offseason if they would like. I personally think that he'll be back with the Panthers for at least one more season because he's just such a such a unique talent. And I think if he can get healthy, that he's a someone that you don't just let go. But I think I think in the long run, I'd rather see more playing with Cam Newton than Kyle Allen. Just Cam, it's it, he's just much more explosive, and I think that there's a much better opportunity for big plays. I just think that, like, it's a tough situation because you do have a player like Christian McCaffrey who's just so dynamic, who's not only being used to rush, but in a lot of games is their leading receiver, right? So, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity regardless. But I don't know. I think he's looked good with Kyle Allen. I feel like the time he has been with Cam Newton, I don't feel like Cam was completely healthy all of that year. Um, So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if it ever happens, but I just think that, you know, DJ needs to really work on just his, you know, finishing and trying to find a way to get into that end zone because that's going to, that's, that is what is going to make the difference for him. Um, but, but I like him with Kyle Allen. I think it's just a situation where, you know, you have McCaffrey and that's a, you know, as we said, an MVP candidate and someone that they're going to go to. So now the Panthers will look to play, as Jordan said, Darnell Savage and the Packers this week. So we'll talk about Savage's week last week. He had six total tackles in the Packers, 26-11 to loss to the Chargers. Obviously playing DJ Moore this week. So he was banged up with injury. I think he came back last week and then played, or two weeks ago, and then played last week. So he's been he's been solid coming back off this his injury that he suffered, but do we think that this continues? Because I think he's, he, I think he's been solid pretty much every game he's played. He's never really had one game that you can point out and say, oh, he didn't play well. So I think he's a really big piece to this defense. And I think now that he's been back for a few games, I think he's gonna have like you know maybe a breakout game this week. Um, I think that could be a possibility with a young quarterback like Kyle Allen, though he has been really good. Um, I think, you know, he's just getting back into his stride, and I really think that, you know, he's going to emerge and, and really has as one of the top players in the NFL for returns. I mean, you see him, and he's, like, on the front of Under Armour's website. He's, you know, being highly marketed by the Packers, um, and it's been really cool to just see that, like, that an injury hasn't derailed him because with a lot of young guys in their first year, that's something that would really, really set them back, but we haven't seen that really with Darnell. 
I, first of all, I'm so excited for this game between Moore and Savage. I think it's going to be awesome. And I think it's one of the best games of the week between the Panthers and the Packers. And I think that Savage is going to continue his, his great play. Like, like we talked about, he has been solid every single game and more than solid in some games. And I think that he is an anchor for them on defense. He's crucial for them. We saw that how much worse their defense got in his absence. So I think that he's one of their best players at this point already for the Packers. And I think that he's going to continue on Sunday and it's going to be, it's that, that Packers secondary is really good and it's going to be tough for DJ Moore to have a really good game, but I'd, I'd love to see both of them have a good game. Maybe a nice 80 yards and a touchdown for DJ Moore and a interception for Savage. That would be pretty cool. Well, that would, that would be very, very cool. And, It'll, it, I think it'll be at some point. It's almost inevitable that Moore is going to catch the ball and Savage might go over and tackle him. And I kind of want to see their their reaction towards each other after if that happens. I'm sure Savage will help him up or something because they they were good friends. They were good teammates. So I think it'll be very very cool to watch this weekend. For sure. I didn't even think about that. I think there's definitely a big possibility that we see a Darnell Savage uh, tackle on DJ Moore. I mean. Just given their positions on the field, I think there's a great opportunity for that. And I th- think it would be cool to see the reaction. Probably wouldn't see much other than maybe, you know, helping him get up. But because it's just, you know, in the heat of the battle. But after the game, I definitely think that those two will, uh, you know, do the jersey swap, like we said. They've got to. I mean, they were teammates for three years. I feel like I feel like they've got to do that. Mm-hmm. And do we think that Savage can, can work his way back up to the top of the uh, defensive rookie of the year odds, or do, you, do we think that uh, Bosa's kind of running away with that? I think he's going to finish in the top three. I don't think he can win it, just based off of... It's unfortunate, because I think that ankle injury really put him out of it, because when he was down, Nick Bosa and also Josh Allen really stepped up their games, and you know have just been killing it, especially when it comes to sacks. So I think that... Uh, I think that Rookie of the Year is probably out of the question right now for Savage, but I think he I think he has a really good chance to finish in the top three. And another defensive player out of Maryland, Yannick Ngakwe, who is the defensive end for the Jaguars, recorded five total tackles in this past week. They lost, though. They lost pretty bad, 26-3. to three. Uh, Two of those tackles, two of those five tackles were tackles for loss, so he's still been a really bright spot, and I keep saying it now that Jalen Ramsey was traded. That Ngakwe is really the, the main piece of this defense, and he gets to the quarterback. He tackles for loss. He's really, really good, and he's always been kind of that guy that is just a big threat on defense. And I think there's a chance that he gets named to the Pro Bowl team this year. With the way he has been playing the past couple weeks, it. I mean, I think a Pro Bowl is a is a huge possibility. Um, that would be his second Pro Bowl, actually. He's made it back in 2017 as well. But like you said, it's it's actually pretty funny because their their positions aren't related at all, defensive end and cornerback. But I think it's really been since Ramsey got traded. That's right around the time that Yannick really stepped up his game and shifted it into another gear. He's been playing incredible the past couple weeks. I mean, I know from writing the... Uh, weekly uh terps in the nfl roundup he has been leading off a lot of those uh 
articles because his play has just been so good. I mean, yeah. he's he has been the past couple weeks. He has for sure been the best Maryland player in the NFL and one of the best defensive players in the NFL. And it's it's not even a question. He has been incredible. The Jags have been solid. They get Nick Foles back after their bye week this week. So I think that they're especially the back end of the AFC. You know, getting that six wild card spot. Um, the sixth spot in the playoffs, second wild card spot. I think that there's a real opportunity for the Jags to get that, and I think there's a big chance that we see Ngakwe in the playoffs. Yeah, I would love to see that. I would love to see him, you know, in Pro Bowl contention. I, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I, I think that he really has shown he's dominant, especially you know in the weeks where he's had you know big sacks and things like that. I'd love to see more of that from him. You know, he's still a young guy developing, and so. It's going to be really interesting to see his career progression. I mean, we talk about this a decent amount. So many of these guys that Maryland has in the league are so young. There's so much, uh, you know, that can go from here for them. Uh, but I think this could be, like, a really big year for him, especially if he continues like this. And I think what will really help him with a Pro Bowl is if he can rack up some more sacks. Yeah, he definitely – the sack numbers are, are pretty good, though, this year because he had, he had that nice two-sack game against the Jets a couple weeks back. But, I mean, he is just – Past couple weeks, he has really been killing it. He had that pick six as well, and I think you know with the number of guys who end up making the Pro Bowl, I think like the numbers like by the end after all the people drop out, it's like eight percent of the league at that point like get selected to the Pro Bowl. So I think Ngakwe has to be a Pro Bowl selection, whether it's as you know like a first alternate who slides in for someone who leaves, or just you know making the team right off the bat. I think that he is definitely gonna. Uh, have the opportunity to play in the Pro Bowl again this year. And Trey Edmonds, after just receiving one carry the week prior against the Dolphins, this week he was a, he's a former practice squad player for the Steelers. So I mean, yeah, week, he was on the practice squad yeah. to start the season. Yeah, so he, he got the call back up, and now 12 rushes and recorded 73 yards in this game. And his longest rush was 45 yards. And the Steelers won over, they beat the Colts by two points, so... He, he kind of led that backfield because James Conner is a little banged up, and he might not play this week as well. But Edmonds now is, is was sidelined from practice yesterday on Thursday with a rib injury. Ooh. I'm not sure how serious that is but because they haven't ruled him out yet, but they're saying that it's unlikely that uh, James Conner is expected to play. So he's not expected to play. So I think if Edmonds does play, there's a chance that he gets another opportunity like the way he did last week. This is the most interesting Terp in the NFL right now, and I say that just because the opportunity is so wide open for him. The Steelers, obviously James Conner not expected to play. Also Benny Snell, their draft pick this year out of Kentucky, who plays running back, he is out. So it's really Jalen Samuels, who is more of a passing back. He is, if you look at the market share, he's way up in the receiving, mm -hmm. and so it, that's why the opportunity was there for Edmonds uh, this past Sunday, and I, hopefully he is able to play uh, this week because um, the opportunity is just so wide open for him. And if you like, if he has another game like last week, I think that that's a real statement to say, "Hey, I deserve I deserve to be on an active roster, not on a practice squad, whether it's in Pittsburgh or elsewhere." Because he looked really good last week, and I. I just hope that he is able to play this week because the opportunity is going to be there. Jalen Samuels, obviously, you know, listed as the starter, and like he will get most of the attention at the running back spot without Connor. But 
he's not a he's not a true running back. He's more of a threat as a receiver. So the opportunity is just so so wide open for Edmonds, and I hope that he is able to play and capitalize on it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, he's a guy that really has had an up and down um, career. Uh, even, you know, at Maryland, he was only here for a year and missed a ton of that season, goes undrafted, um, has bounced around the NFL kind of just on practice squads and things like that. And so it's great to see him get uh, this chance and to have such a, you know, dominant game and, you know, get that huge rush. Um, but, you know, that's a shame he's out with a rib injury because it seemed like he was getting uh, getting into his stride. And that'll really be interesting to watch. I always love seeing guys that go undrafted. Uh, you know, be able to make that push and make an impact in the league. Mm-hmm. It's very cool situation there for Edmonds, and I hope that he is able to uh, maximize it to the fullest. So we'll move on to the NBA, where the Timberwolves are 4-3 and three overall. The Hawks are 3-4. and four. I guess we'll start with Jake Lehman for the Timberwolves. Lehman, he's been the best Terp in the NBA so far. 8.9 points per game and 2.3 rebounds over the first seven games of the year. He has a career high in minutes per game so far with 24.6. And he's coming off the bench serving a pretty nice role. So I think he's having a very solid year and could even get a little bit better as the season goes on. This is by far the best season of Jake Lehman's career so far. And it's the most impact he has had on a team and it's not even close. He's playing mi- meaningful minutes for a T-Wolves team that at this point is overachieving. Um, Towns, it's a shame they started undefeated, but now yeah. they've lost a few games. Yeah, but T- Towns has been incredible. And even Andrew Wiggins is playing better than Andrew Wiggins usually is. <laughs> so I th- I think that uh, Lehman has definitely played a big role in that. And I think he's, he's probably the best Terp in the NBA at this point through this young season just because of the fact that Herter has been struggling. And... He's he's playing meaningful minutes and he is he's he's doing a lot with them. I'm I'm really impressed with Jake Lehman and I think that this is really kind of his role in the NBA. It's a front of the bench guy, sixth or seventh man. He comes in, he gives you some points, he plays some good defense, and I think that we're finally seeing that because he's been given the opportunity uh, to do it with the T Wolves. I mean, I yeah, you mentioned that this is one of the best years. This is the best year of his career, and it is. You know, last year was the best year of his career up until that point, averaging seven point six points per game, and you know, playing eighteen point seven minutes. And right now, he's averaging twenty four point six minutes and eight point nine points per game. So he's definitely looking great. The one thing is he isn't shooting as well as he has as he did last year, shooting thirty eight point seven percent. Obviously, he's taking more shots, but I'd love to see his accuracy improve a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he looks really great. I mean, we mentioned that he was snubbed with 2K f- with dunking, and he clearly was because he it's like one aspect you've seen of him, and you wouldn't expect that on a team with, you know, guys like Towns and other dudes who can really, you know, throw it up, but he's mm-hmm. been doing that and been a good guy for them. But honestly, I would like to see him in a starting role. I get that, you know, he's been this guy off the bench, but I think he can do so much more if he starts, and honestly, I think that he's shown and proven that he has the ability to start in his, you know, last, not uh, last game for them, but, you know, since we last recorded on November 2nd against the Wizards, uh, he had 14 points, uh, was shooting 66.7 from a three-point range and 50% uh, on field goals. He's had a five-point game and a nine-point game since then. Um 
I think he looks strong, and I really think that, you know, if they give him more minutes, that he can make the most of that. He, it's going to be tough for him to get in that starting lineup just because of s- some of the other guys that they have. They're rolling a starting lineup right now that uh, features usually features Jeff Teague, but it looks like he was uh, injured in their last game. And then they have, obviously, Townsend, Wiggins, and Covington. And then it's it's Okogi who is uh, – Okogi and Culver who – you know, are taking those minutes from him. And obviously Culver is the, their first-round pick, very early pick. So that's obviously someone they're going to want to spend more time uh, developing and trying to give that opportunity to than, uh, than Lehman. But I think Lehman has done a really good job, and I think it's only going to get better as the season goes on because he's he's playing meaningful minutes for them off the bench, and I think that he is just going to keep taking this opportunity and getting better and better. I could see that uh, point per game total creeping up into the you know 10-11 range if he uh, keeps this up. Yeah, I mean, he's fifth on the team right now in scoring. Um, he's he's never been that guy that's been like a star. Even, you know, at Maryland, he was a very unselfish player. And we talked about what we need to see from him in terms of aggressiveness. And I think, I think there's still a little bit of that hesitation. And so I think it, it would make a big leap for him if you were to put him in a starting line because then it says to him that, you know, we have this confidence in you. Um, and, you know, sure, they have those guys, but I, I would just really like to see what happens when he does start. Because in the games that he did start for, uh, when he did start those, you know, few games in January in Portland, he looked really, really strong. Um, and so I'd like to see him continue to be more aggressive because he clearly is someone who can compete in this league and has shown that, you know, he's a valuable asset for this team. And moving on to Kevin Herter, who's the second best Terp so far. 7.1 points per game, and he's even struggling, and he's still just the second-best one. I think he could be better than Lehman if Herter gets back to normal, but 7.1 points per game, 3.3 rebounds per game, and 2.7 assists. The numbers are looking a little bit better than they were uh, towards the first couple games. That might be because Trey Young is out. That also might be because Herter's now... Herter well, Trey Young was back last game. Yes. Trey, he missed two he missed, games. He, he, yeah, he missed yeah. a couple games, but... I think because Herter didn't have the he didn't play in the uh, preseason. This is kind of his quote unquote preseason. I think Jordan, you mentioned this last week how he since he didn't play, he's now adjusting back and getting back into gameplay, getting back into playing other teams. And I think once he figures that once he gets back to himself like he was last year, I think he'll be even better than that. And I think he has a chance to average double digit points. It's been kind of disappointing so far because I thought this was going to be a big leap for him, and then he has that injury that's kind of derailed him. And, you know, now it doesn't even look like he's in the starting lineup, and I don't know if that is just because I've been having a debate with uh, Sean about it. Like, is he just, you know, is it just an injury, or is it the fact that, you know, he's not going to be in the starting lineup? I feel like he should be, um, and he's starting to show that he can be, but it's a little worrisome that when he has been healthy and playing more minutes that he hasn't been. Um, but last game, I think he started to show some glimpses. It was it was a terrible game for the Hawks, but you know he was able to put up you know twelve points, um, two assists, two rebounds, and two steals. Um, he got his you know uh, field goal percentage back up a little bit, shooting at forty percent. But you know his three point percentage and his three point shot hasn't looked that great. He's shooting twenty six point nine percent on the season, uh, which really is not normal for him. Um, so I'm really interested to see if he conti- if he'll you know c- continue this progression and pick it back up, or you know if he's getting derailed. But I feel like with a player like that and the potential he did show last season, I feel like 
you know, eventually he is going to get back into it because he did show that he can be, you know, a really, really good player in this league. First of all, I, I have to disagree with you, Matt. I think that Bruno Fernando has been the second best Terp in the NBA right now. But I think for Herter, like like we had talked about last week, I think that he's still shaking off the rust. He was very limited in what he could do in the offseason and didn't play in the preseason. So he's really just getting used to the flow of things still, I think. And I think he's going to shake off that rust. I think he's going to have a good season when it's all said and done. But right now, the numbers are ugly. And there's a we- there's a reason why he hasn't been starting. And it's just because he's he's not ready for that right now. He's This is a guy whose bread and butter is three-point shooting. And he's shooting a 26.9% clip from there. So it's it's not good right now. And I think... I think it's going to get better. I think we've seen the past couple games his explosiveness has looked a lot better. He's he's looked much more into things, and I think that I think it's going to get better. But it, it has been a rough start for Herder, and I think that that is you can chalk that up a lot to his lack of a, a preseason and training camp and all that. But I think that there there hopefully isn't something more to it than that. But there's a reason why he hasn't been starting games, and I think that. I think that that's just because of his poor shooting. Yeah, and what you said about Bruno Fernando, I mean, you look at him, and I think he's been really good. I mean, you look at the games where he's had, the two games where he's seen the most minutes this season, he was really able to produce. And one of those, I mean, the Terps did well last game. Trey Young was off, and I think the Terps really yeah. stepped up. And, you know, it obviously wasn't enough to get a, of a win against Chicago, but it was just an ugly game. Lloyd Pierce, after a game, would barely answer questions from media, saying, you know, what do you want to ask? It was such you know, it was so bad. What else is there to know? Um, Bruno had 10 points in that game, six rebounds and two assists. He shot 80% from the floor on four for five. And, you know, he saw the most minutes that he saw all season with 21 minutes. And then you look against Philadelphia on October 28th, uh, the one, the other game where he had uh, the most minutes, where he had 16 minutes. Um, he had 11 points, was shooting five uh, for seven from field goal range, uh, 71.4%. Um, and he had two blocks, four rebounds, and two assists in, in that game. And so I think that you see when Bruno has more minutes and, you know, he has that confidence of a team has faith in him, he can really perform. Now, there have been some shaky games this season, and it was kind of weird. He only played four minutes um, on October 31st against Miami, and, you know, because of that, only had a point. And then he played 15 minutes against the Spurs and only had four points in that game, but even then he was shooting 50% from the floor and just didn't seem to be really taking those opportunities. But I think in all the games where he's taken at least, um, you know, five field goals, he has scored at least seven points per game. So, you know, you have Detroit, the first game of the season on the 24th, where he takes six shots and gets seven points, and that's his first NBA game, and that's 14 minutes. And then the game, the two other games I mentioned, he was taking seven shots and five shots. And so all the other games where he has, you know, fluctuated between four points and three points or whatever, he really hasn't taken that many shots. He's, you know, taken anywhere from two to four shots in those games at best. Um, So I think it's a thing with Bruno where as he gets more opportunities, he's showing that he can be, you know, a good guy. And I mean, and we'll get to... um, Len, Len has received the nod, but to start, but honestly, Len has been off and Herder, sorry, uh, Bruno has really been stepping up in that position. They, 
The Hawks' uh, depth took a little bit of a hit in the front court with the suspension of John Collins, and I think that that definitely is going to have an impact on Bruno's playing time. I think it, it certainly has to go up a little bit because... And it did last game. Yeah, I think that's also partially due to the flow of that game. That was a blowout, so Bruno as a bench player is definitely going to get a lot of minutes because they were just getting... From the early third quarter, I mean, they were getting blown out, so they kind of threw in the towel at some point, and you know, it was garbage time a little bit. But I think that Bruno's minutes are going to go up because you slide a guy like Jabari Parker into the starting lineup. So there's definitely a role, a, a little bit of a bigger role for him in the second unit. And I think that Bruno has really been making the most of his opportunities for the Hawks. And I got to say, I'm pretty surprised at the opportunity he's been given. I, I thought that there were going to be a lot of DMPs, especially at the beginning of the season, just as a, you know, a... Uh, early second round pick, I think you see that a lot of times because um, it's it's just a tough adjustment from college to the pros. And I think that Bruno has handled it so well. And I think that he is definitely, he's making a case to be the Hawks starting center as early as this year with how poorly Len has played. And uh, Damian Jones hasn't, I mean, he's been getting minutes, but he hasn't been doing anything crazy with them. So I think that it's, I think that there could be a scenario down the line where they, the Hawks, if Len doesn't get better, if they say, hey, let's make a change, let's give this guy a chance. And I think that uh, Bruno would continue to make the most of it if given the opportunity. Yeah, and, you know, I, I know Chris had, you know, Chris Kirshner of, of the Athletic had told us, you know, we thought we would see do not, do not play. But just knowing the kind of guy Bruno is, I remember, like, you know, thinking there's no way. You know, there's no way he doesn't make the most of his opportunity just knowing the kind of guy he is, and he has done that. I think you're right. We could see a situation if Len continues to have the drought he's having where he does get to start um, at some point this season. I mean, looking at Len, we talked about how we thought that this season would be a big one for him, and he's been getting... Uh, Bruno's actually been playing in some, not some, not all cases, but like some games he's played more minutes than Len because Len has just looked off. I mean, he's currently averaging four points, uh, 1.1 assists for the season. He's only shooting 13.3% from behind the arc and 30.3% uh, on field goal range. I don't really know what's up there. I know he was having some lingering issue, uh, injury issues over the summer, but it seemed like everything was fine. What do you guys think is going on right now with Len? I don't know what's going on with Len. It's it's very disappointing to see because I I really thought Len was going to have a, a real like a breakout type season. Thought he was going to average over ten points a game, and like he did at the end of last season, he had really found a nice chemistry with Trey Young. But it just hasn't been there for him. And to be a starting center in the NBA and only shoot thirty point three percent from the field, that's not going to cut it this keeps up, there's no way the Hawks can keep starting him. And I think that he, he needs to break out of it. He needs to find his groove, and he just hasn't. And hopefully that will come these next couple games because, you know, like we said, Trey Young is back. There's no John Collins. So the opportunity, it could be there. Or the opportunity, not could, it definitely will be there. And I think that he needs to make the most of it and do it quickly because if he doesn't, then he is going to find himself out of the starting role. Especially, you know, when it, when Collins comes back, we could see if Len's still struggling, we could see them going small and having uh, Collins at the center position. So you never know. He He really needs to step it up and step it up fast or things could go downhill quickly for him this season. 
I think what you guys are saying about Bruno potentially starting that I, I completely agree with that. He's he's the guy that he's he's always been an energy guy who brings a lot to the table. You know he's going to play hard. You know he's going to be successful. So if he keeps up these numbers and Len is still struggling, I mean, if you, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So if they keep going to Len and he keeps playing poorly like he is, then there's no reason why they shouldn't they should switch. I 100% think that the Hawks should give Fernando a chance because he's a guy that they can he could break out. We don't know like we don't know until this happens, but he's been solid off the bench that if he does get more minutes, if he does get a bigger role, there could be a chance where he's a really solid big man for this team. Yeah, and I'm very excited to say that I will be covering all the turfs in the NBA on November 25th. On, our, on my way down to the Orlando Invitational uh, as the Timberwolves come to play the Hawks. And I, you know, we've got a little bit till that game, but I am very, very excited already, uh, you know, to cover it. But also, you know, to have four Terps in one NBA game is huge. That's going to be a really cool game, and I hope that uh, we see a really good performance from one of those guys. That I think that would be, that'd be awesome if maybe, you know, Herder had 20 points or if uh, Lehman, you know, Got, had, a, had a really nice game off the bench, so we'll we'll have to see what happens. I think that that'll be a really exciting game for the program for sure. And some news in the MLB for former Terps. Brandon Lau, the second baseman for the Tampa Bay Rays, was named one of the three AL Rookie of the Year finalists this past week. So he's going up against Jordan Alvarez, the DH and outfielder for the Astros, and John Means, a pitcher for the Orioles. I think this one's in Alvarez's favor, but... If Lau played the whole season, he, he missed so much of the second half, and he's still a finalist. If he played the whole season, I think he makes a great argument to be the Rookie of the Year in the American League. Yeah, I think that says a lot that you know he was injured for so long, and he still makes this list. Well, I'll give you a spoiler alert. Lau is not going to win it. It is Alvarez's trophy, and it's not even close. Just I think it's based off the injury. Like Lau made the All-Star game this year. That, that's crazy as a rookie, and I think that that goes to show that, you know, if he had that second half of the season, he it's probably more of a debate between him and Alvarez, but Alvarez was so good, especially in the later part of the season, and I think that that trophy is his. But Lau, Lau is a rising star. He is one of the best players on the Rays, and I think that he is someone who Maryland baseball can really sell and say, you know, this is a, this is a star player, and then will be came from our program. It's, you know, not it is historically not the best program in Maryland, and I think that Lau, uh, his uh, stardom in the MLB is certainly going to help. And I think that there's a chance he comes in second for the award, but I was, I don't know. I means had a really good season for the Orioles, so I think more likely just to see him come third, just based off the fact that. He didn't play the second half of the season. He got injured on July 2nd, I think it was, and then he did not come back until the week before the playoffs, and then he uh, played in that series against the Astros. But, you know, he's probably playing a little injured. It was, he wasn't incredible in that series. So I think that there's a lot to be excited about uh, for Brandon Lau ne- going into next season because he is definitely one of the best players on the Rays, and I think that uh, he is someone that Maryland fans should be keeping an eye on as uh, one of the best Terps in the pros. So we'll have coverage for that 
That award will be announced announced on Monday, November 11th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. So be on the lookout for Brandon Lau. And be on the lookout for all of your Terps in the Pros. So we thank you for joining us on this edition of the Terps in the Pros podcast.